0: Should we go electric?
1: I think we should go electrified with Toyota. Electrified? Electrified means options.
0: So electrified looks different for everyone.
1: Yup, and with more options for reducing carbon emissions, Toyota is electrified diversified.
0: Learn more about our Beyond Zero vision for the future at Toyota.com slash Beyond Zero.
1: I'm Jeffrey Goldberg, the editor-in-chief of The Atlantic, and this is the Atlantic Interview. I'm talking with journalist Nicole Hannah-Jones. She argues, and she has the data to prove it, that America's public schools can radically improve with one fix, racial integration.
0: Things that are acceptable for black children are never acceptable for white children. So if you want what white children get, you have to be where white children are. That's what integration means for black kids.
1: I also should note here that Nicole Hannah-Jones is a certified genius.
0: Well, I haven't actually gotten an official letter that certifies me as anything. Oh, so really? I, I, need to, I need to call them and ask when it's coming. Like,
1: step back, yes. genius. She just won a MacArthur Fellowship this year for her work showing that segregated schools are the norm in the United States and that this is hurting everyone. The MacArthur Foundation has given her a grant of $625,000 with no strings attached. Uh, she's going to use that money, I hope, to do good deeds. You, you and I have both had these conversations together and separately with uh, my colleague, Tanasi Coates, about the arc of history mm-hmm. and which way it bends. I, I've adopted the the viewpoint of Barack Obama, which says that history is an arrow and that it flies forward. And sometimes it, you know, sometimes it it doesn't fly exactly straight it veers a little bit but it's going toward something so that the moral arc of, of the universe is long but it bends toward justice and Ta-Nehisi says that a there really is no moral arc but if there was it would just bend toward chaos yeah. i mean are you are you in the camp of people who say that uh that kind of obama long-term optimism is premature
0: i think it has not a lot of basis in historical fact so I would say the, the arc is actually a circle hmm that just perpetually turns back on itself
1: but life has gotten but let's just use african-americans as an example Life has gotten better. No, before there was, before there was Brown v. Board of Ed, there was no Brown v. Board of Ed. Before there was Civil Rights Act, there was no Civil Rights Act. Mm -hmm. Uh, we, we don't live in a period of history free of lynchings, but the number of lynchings has gone down. There are more African Americans in the middle class. Since Reconstruction, life in America for African Americans has gotten better. It's been stutter stepped, but we ain't in eighteen sixty six or eighteen seventy three.
0: I'm not a slave. That's true. What? Well, you know, all right. You don't be. You know, <laughs> all right, all right. <laughs> saying, all right. If that's the bar, then no, no, no. I'm not. Right, clearly. I'm, clearly. Not,
1: I'm not I'm not. Even, I'm not I'm I not.
0: mean, none of us would. None of us would argue that there has been progress in a range of things. I guess I get. I get almost offended by people who want us to like pause and like be congratulatory about forward progress in what
1: just want to know it, for the record that I'm offending you already. I mean, already. It really started.
0: I mean, in a country that has set itself apart as this beacon of democracy, the fact that uh, we are applauding that, you know, black folks now have for 40 years full citizenship rights in the country of their birth, in the country of their grandparents' birth, in the country of their great-grandparents' birth. It's just hard to um, feel a lot of optimism about I'm not that.
1: arguing for applauding. Obviously, there's, there's there's long road to go. I'm just saying that there is a direction there is. to things.
0: There's, well, there's forward progress, and then we, we move back. And we're clearly right now in a, in a moving back. So yes, we get the Voting Rights Act, and now we get the gutting of the Voting Rights Act. We see a wave of voter suppression in the first election since the uh, Voting Rights Act. We get Brown v. Board of Education, and now black children are more segregated than they've been since the 1970s. We never made any real progress on housing segregation uh, outside of the South and the West, even though uh, we outlaw housing discrimination in 1968. The wealth gap for black and white Americans is the largest that it's been since we started really recording this in the 1970s. Um, the incarceration rate is, there are more black men incarcerated than there were black men enslaved during slavery. Um, there are more black men killed by police than there were black men lynched in a year. I mean, it's, um, yeah, it's, it's, I think clearly. Okay, fine. For you win. small you win. numbers of us, there's a lot of progress. And for large numbers of us, I, I think the progress can be very hard to, um, not to see, but, it's still really bad.
1: Well, so, so I, I mean, I'm not, I'm not disagreeing with your, your analysis on, on, on any of those. It just seemed a year and a half ago, two years ago that we were moving in the right direction. And then what happened? Well, the reaction, that's what I want to go to, which is I want, I want you to analyze the root of, of this, uh of these continuing dilemmas. Um Is it is at bottom what we're talking about a lack of understanding on the part of white America about the actual lived lives of African Americans now, 50 years ago, 100 years ago, 200 years ago? I mean, Germany grappled with what it did in a way that America's never grappled with what it did. Um, as Tanahasi, who can always out pessimism me, uh, <laughs> once said, Germany's easy because Germany killed all the There's people no Jews hate there. it hated. Right. Germany. So, so you could build monuments. Yeah. And that's lovely, yes. right? But you are not, you're not actually fixed a living problem.
0: Right. I would say we're not grappling with what this country is about, period. Not for... Oh, so you're not caring. one of these
1: people who says this is not who we are.
0: No, this is clearly who we are. I mean... I write about race from 1619, the year 1619. That's what I have on my Twitter handle. The English landed Jamestown in 1607. Twelve years later, we have imported Africans to be enslaved and determined that they will be a wholly different caste of people with no legal rights in this country and actually would be property. That's 12 years after the English land here. It's 140 years before we even declare independence and decide that we want to be a country. So this is embedded in... The very fiber of the DNA of this country, and that we believe um, that with you know a, a few decades in that four hundred year history of kind of violent upheaval, where white Americans who don't want it largely are forced to to uh, acquiesce with rights to Black Americans. Mm-hmm. Um, and then very quickly start moving away from that—that that we've somehow solved this or fixed this or we've moved past it. Uh, I mean, Tanahazi's, you know, claim to fame is the case for reparations, which is saying we've never even repaired the damage that we've done, and we only grudgingly even give like legal rights on paper to this group of people. Um, it is amazing that we're we talking
1: about Robert E. Lee and voter suppression right. as issues. In it's amazing.
0: I mean, tell me another country. Um, where a group of people break off from that country, try to fight that country, lose, right? Are traitors to that country, secede, no longer want to be a part of the country and lose, and that those people are glorified and defended by the highest office in the land. So
1: the South won in one key cognitive way or yes. sort of narrative way.
0: Yes, of course, because what we were fighting in the South was a national sin, And we want to pretend it was a Southern sin, but it was a national sin. And so we can't grapple with the South unless we grapple with ourselves. So we don't really. So
1: go to the, I want to go to this, this grappling. I mean, we're both reporters. And so we kind of think in pragmatic terms, what does it take to get from A to B to C? Right. So two issues that, that preoccupy you, uh, housing segregation, Mm -hmm. education segregation, right? Linked, obviously, uh, to get to a place where there's actual equality in housing and actual equality in educational opportunities for African Americans, what has to happen? It, it's not just a legislative process.
0: It is not, uh, though. Equal rights <clears throat> for Black Americans has always had to be legislated. It's never been willing, yeah, but to it's give insufficient.
1: It. I mean, what you're arguing—you're arguing in your list before that right. it's insufficient.
0: I mean. What it would take if we're honest is a fundamental restructuring of society. I mean,
1: you could use your MacArthur grant money for that.
0: <laughs> I think that would just about be enough money to like I, I could, fundamentally I could put restructure in some, society. I'll put in some extra. Um, I mean, it, it really is. So, so, the book I'm working on is basically like arguing that um, our public schools are not broken but operating as designed, that our public schools were set up to provide an unequal. Uh, inadequate education for Black children, so that's what they do. But aren't
1: those aren't the public schools just a, a downstream problem of of housing segregation policies? No. Go on.
0: I mean, they're they're clearly linked, but. Um Whether you have integrated communities or segregated communities, we have school segregation. In communities that are gentrifying, um, the gentrification stops at the schoolhouse door. Uh, White communities want um, neighborhood schools. If their neighborhood school is white, their neighborhood school is black, they want choice. So the problem is clearly uh, housing segregation is linked, but it also just becomes a convenient excuse. The problem is, and and I never use the... Phrase white supremacy because I feel like it's a word that people automatically discount as soon as you use it. But that is the problem: is it is um, we have a system where white people control the outcomes, and the outcome that most white Americans want is segregation. And I don't mean the type of segregation that we saw in nineteen, you know, fifty four, fifty five, with George Wallace standing in the schoolhouse door. I don't mean complete segregation. I don't. I don't think there are very many white Americans who want entirely white schools. What they do want is a limited number of black do kids in What you call schools? it? sort of
1: curated diversity? Yes. Right? Yes. Uh, explain what curated diversity is. Uh,
0: to me, so I never talk about um, school inequality in terms of diversity because I think it's a useless word. I think it's a word that white people love. Um, I think it's a word that means, so when I say curated diversity, it means white parents like a type of diversity with a certain type of kids so there's a correct there's percentage of black children the majority in the class right and there won't be too many black kids what is the
1: percentage that you think white liberals is acceptable like? yeah
0: white liberals <laughs> um 12 yeah i mean what the what the research shows is there are white white americans in general um are willing to accept about yeah the ratio of Black Americans in America at large, so ten to fifteen percent, and that's
1: not a threat. But you get into the twenties or yeah, and it starts to
0: right when you get into the twenties. White folks, one, start to exaggerate how large the percentage is. So suddenly they start to feel it's 40 percent, 50 percent, and 60 percent. Um, but there's definitely a fair tipping point. And this is in neighborhoods and this is also um, in schools. So w- when you look at the research, um, when you ask black Americans, what does an integrated neighborhood look like to them? It's half white, half black. When you look at white uh, Americans, particularly when it comes to black, it's like 10 to 15 percent black.
1: Right, that's enough. Yes.
0: that's <laughs> enough. So in New York City. One of the most segregated large school systems in the country. If you're a white parent in the New York City public schools, you don't want all white schools. You would not be a public school parent because you're you a liberal. That. Yeah, you're progressive, a quote unquote. Yeah, for,
1: yeah whatever. Um, yeah.
0: But what you do want is a majority white school with a small number of black kids, and then you know a, a good number of Latino, good number of Asian, and that makes you feel very good about yourself because mm-hmm. you feel like your child is getting this beautiful integrated experience. The problem is the public schools in New York City are 70% black and Latino. So for you to have your beautiful diversity, that means that most black and Latino kids get absolutely none. And the tolerance for increasing, per- particularly the percentage of black kids is very low. And even less of so those black kids are poor. So no new, you know, white parent in New York City minds having my kid in their school because they feel like I'm on their level. Right. Um, but if you get too many of kids like mine who are black but poor, there's very, very little tolerance. Do most
1: white parents in New York City who have their kids in public schools do they achieve curated diversity yes, for their children? Absolutely. So they're they're winning that. Oh, they're definitely winning. Yeah, and it's the black and Latino kids who are not winning because yes. there's not enough whites in that sense to go around.
0: I mean, there would be. So, so this is fundamentally if we think that one could never expect white children to be in a minority. So I hear this all the time. You can't integrate the schools in New York City because there's not enough white kids. But that's only based on the premise that you can't expect white kids to be in a situation where they're a minority. Right. Um, the demographics of the New York City public schools are about 40% Latino, uh, well, thirty, almost 30% black, right. uh, 15% Asian, 15% white. If you picture a classroom like that, that's a beautiful school. That's a beautifully diverse, integrated school. And you could have that if you chose. We just don't choose it. Because right. we automatically say, you can't expect that a white parent will put their kid in a school with all those black if kids. If you were the
1: dictator of, of America. Dictator. Yeah. Well, I mean, this would, you'll see where the question is going. You'd have to be the dictator to do to what make I'm this happen. To say. No, no. If you were the dictator, would you outlaw private schools? Would you force all the white kids, and by the way, all the upper middle class and upper class African American kids, et cetera, and... Force them into the public school system you'd have yes you'd have a deep level of parental involvement right and and you'd have a much larger number of white kids you would achieve you might not you know, you'd achieve 30 30 30 10 or whatever you know you, you could achieve that yes. so I mean I'm not obviously assuming a that you're ever going to be the dictator of the United States no well maybe with the genius grant now you might be able to engineer that um but and and i'm also not assuming that there's any way to obviously close down private schools or or make people think that these are not worthwhile schools but if they didn't exist well i guess my question is 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 private private schools immoral in this context Mm
0: -hmm. interestingly enough right after brown there was consideration of whether or not um brown had to apply to private schools or whether we should get rid of private schools in the United States altogether, understanding that the way to subvert Brown is to simply withdraw from public schools altogether. Which is what
1: happened in a wave.
0: Which is what happens all across the South, right? Um, rather than share uh, public good with, white, with black folks, um, state legislatures decided to shut down public schools altogether and pay um, vouchers for white students to go to private segregation academies. So there was actually, uh, which is is hard to think about now because we would, we think it sounds absolutely crazy to consider ending private schools, but, but that was a consideration. Right. So the answer to your question is yes, you would have to. um, If you truly wanted to equalize and integrate schools, you would have to, but you could go a step shorter than that and uh, get a great deal of integration if you simply went to metropolitan white school districts. Mm-hmm. Because in the north, the way school segregation is largely accomplished, it, it's not within school systems, it's between school systems. So New York City public schools, majority black and Latino, but you can go to any of the suburbs around and they're very heavily white. So in New York and all across the northern part of this country, you could simply move into an all-white community. And go to all-white public schools. And that's how you avoided desegregation. In the South, um, most school districts were countywide. So you either paid for private school or you dealt with desegregation. In the North, you didn't have to do that. So we could could accomplish a great deal of desegregation. There's no moral
1: superiority in the North whatsoever. Oh, we...
0: That's a rhetorical question, right? I'm just messing <laughs> No, none, none at all. I mean, the, the key difference between the North and the South is for the vast majority of the history of this country, 90% of all black people lived in the South. So the South responds to that with uh, Jim Crow by passing laws that restrict the movement of black people. The North doesn't have to do that for most of the history of this country because it has a very tiny black population. It's only once... Um, Black people start migrating out of the South in the early 1900s, and then millions pour out of the South, you know, between the 1920s and 1960s, that the North, you know, shows its true, ugly, racist head.
1: More of Nicole Hannah-Jones coming up. We'll be back right after this short break.
0: So, should we go electric?
1: I think we should go electrified with Toyota.
0: Electrified?
1: I want to ask you a personal question. It's a personal question about me, actually. Cause, uh,
0: <laughs> you want to ask me a personal question about you? Yeah, well, you'll see why. Uh, <laughs> no,
1: because I, I, you described something that I actually experienced as a kid in the '70s, which was I was uh, in a in a school system growing up that was about fifty five, sixty percent black. Um, thirty, thirty-five white a school then, system? Yeah, yeah. Okay. I mean a local system right outside, right. you know, right outside New York City. Um very unusual. My experience going from kindergarten to twelfth grade in that situation was fairly uh, tension free. People actually got along. I mean, yes, there were there were, you know, oftentimes blacks hung out on this side of the high school and whites hung out on the other. But there was mixing. There was there was interracial dating. This is I'm talking about there the was the first
0: a, crush was a black girl?
1: No, we're not even going there. Okay, I'm saying. But yes. (laughs) The second and the third. Yeah,
0: I mean of course well, well come
1: on you know I mean uh,
0: why do you turn red right now
1: because <laughs> because 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 I'm interviewing you, you and you're not interviewing me but yes yes my my high school sweetheart for many years was an African American woman who's a very delightful person and and why are you why, why, why are you judging what are you judging, wow, I'm judging. That's, no, that's, no 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 it was uh... it was uh, yes but it was it was a very it was a it was a kind of of atmosphere where that could happen without consequence. Granted, a lot of the people from the white parts of town went to Catholic parochial schools, right? So I mean if the school district actually took in all of the kids who lived within the boundaries, right. it probably would have been 30% black or 25% black, but but it wasn't. But of the whites who went, it was a fairly beneficial experience. I could look back on that and say, that was it was better for me in my intellectual, moral, civic development emotional development to do that to be in that situation which of course is the argument for integration on the part of african-americans as well Uh, that that you argue i mean the statistics prove this out that that you argue is 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 disappearing slowly as an experience for for whites and blacks Right, the country is resegregating in, in a way talk talk a little bit about the benefits for whites of integration the, you know because we, we talk all the time about the benefits of integration for african-american yes. kids and if you study the problem it's fairly obvious resources the, the whole the whole nine yards there's
0: a clear imbalance in the right. benefits, right here. right and i think this is where um, you struggle when you're trying to convince white People, why they should do this? Because there's a clear imbalance. For black kids, it's literally like, will you receive a quality education or right.
1: not? Will you have the best teachers? We right. have the best resources. Exactly. the Best college counseling. Will you
0: be able to change your lot in life? Right? right. Will you be able to transcend the poverty or you know whatever it is that you grew up in? Like that is what integration means for black kids. Will you be a full citizen in the country of your birth? The hitching, the a, ride, very, hitching very a ride? Hitching a ride
1: to the white majority. In hitching a, a ride.
0: Ra- hitching. A ride, right, to the white majority with the understanding that in a country built on racial caste, they get an inordinate amount of the resources, right. that things are, are acceptable for black children are never acceptable for white children. So if you want what white children get, you have to be where white children are. That's what integration means for black kids. It does not mean that for white kids. White kids don't need black kids in the same way. Um, and so I think it, it it's harder because segregation does benefit white Families That is why the whole institution of segregation comes about.
1: how does it benefit white families though because in a practical way
0: well, in a practical way because it you get to hoard resources, right you get the best of everything so even in a but that assumes it's a
1: zero sum game
0: it assumes there's limited resources yeah, and that judge. in any situation of limited resources, even in a town where the edu- the schools pretty much suck, if there's a school with black kids in it's going to suck worse. Right. And actually, again, in my research, I, mean, I would disagree like, with the
1: whole premise. I mean, I no. would you? I, well, going to the second half, which is the benefits of integration for whites, I think outweigh whatever quote unquote resource hoarding you could do. I think. I guess so I'm just, just depends, a liberal right? or so something. So
0: it's a, it's a, it's a, well, liberals are the worst at this. So let's just be real.
1: I was using right. that term in a sardonic Yes, yes. Manner. Because
0: down south, which is, you know, much more politically conservative, white children go to much more integrated schools and white parents will put their children in schools that have a much higher black ratio than any white parent in the North will put their kids in. Um, and a large part of that is just proximity and famili- familiarity. familiarity that we don't have up here, right? In the South- My, my
1: experience up North in New York was, was not typical at all.
0: It was atypical. It was, it was, and it was atypical for a Northern white person- at all, right? Um, in most places, so I think it's there. The the it's soft benefits versus hard benefits, and the soft benefits of integration, which I think are also very important, it's just a much harder argument. So white people understand that they're fighting to get into white schools for a reason because it it is a benefit that you know. I mean, and all the data bears this out. They're going to get the best teachers, they're going to get the best instruction, they're going to get the best curriculum. So. And and when we're setting up, but again, with the assumption country, that it's a
1: zero sum game,
0: with the assumption that there are good teachers and bad teachers,
1: and that the bad teachers are going to be fun,
0: overwhelmingly be put in to, those schools, yes. Right. Um, but also, just that we nothing about this American experiment tells us that we value black kids the same. We just don't. So when I wrote about um, school resegregation in Tuscaloosa for the Atlantic. And they create an all black high school and they create an integrated high school and they promise the all black high school it will have the same courses. And then they just don't do it. And there was actually no reason not to do it. The white parents who wanted the white school, they weren't, they didn't give a damn what courses you offered in the black school. They weren't fighting against it. They weren't saying, don't give those kids physics. They didn't care. Just give us what we want.
1: This goes to your out of sight.
0: Right, exactly. But when they didn't, even though no one was fighting against them giving these kids the same thing that they promised, they still just didn't. Because in the end, they were poor black kids, and they didn't have that much value, and no one thought they were going to go to college anyway. Now, if one were to believe, which I believe, um, that one, having people from um, who are different from you makes you smarter, that... You engage in a higher level of thinking, and there's been research that shows that, that you solve problems better because clearly when someone comes at a problem from a different angle, you can solve that problem versus everyone sees the problem in the same way. There's all these higher level ways that integration um, is good for white folks. I also think the inter- richness
1: of the human experience is,
0: right? is great. Like my daughter, who um, is not in an integrated school, but she's in a high poverty school and we're clearly not poor. I think it makes her a better human being. Right. I think she gets to see that these kids aren't any less than her; they just have less than her. But those are all hard, soft arguments to make to p- people who fundamentally view education as this is how my kid will rise to the top, uh, above every other kid and get into Harvard. They don't actually give a right. damn it's about a their kid being a better person. They have a, give a damn about can my kid get into Harvard? It's and that's a hard I, argument. I'm to just make. Think,
1: I'm thinking this as you're as you're talking about it. I mean, there is an interesting thing to to be written by, well. White kids who went to majority black schools. Yeah, it's about, going to be a
0: chapter in my book. Good.
1: Can we I don't help? hear enough. I can that. help. Yes, we don't I want to
0: help. We don't hear enough about that. No,
1: no, no. Because I mean, you you talk about hard benefits and soft benefits. I don't think it's that soft. I mean, maybe this is self flattery, right? So let's just discount.
0: For, you just wouldn't be this amazing otherwise. I'm
1: not saying amazing. I just, I wouldn't be who I am, yes. whatever that is, bad or good. But I wouldn't be. I wouldn't be who I am if I had not had that exposure, and I'm not talking most about quote-unquote white unquote, people are loteness. willing to
0: trade that. There is an explicit racial fear. There is an explicit fear that black kids are more dangerous... That um, if they put their kids in these schools, their kids are going to be exposed to violence, that they're going to be exposed to bad culture. There's no longer the belief that black people are racially inferior, but that black culture is inferior. And these are progressive. They don't
1: say it in such a blunt way. Oh, they they said it in a
0: blunt way. I. So in my daughter's school. When white parents who live next door to my daughter's school but well, won't send their kids to my daughter's school would come and tour, they would tell the principal, "We'll bring our kids, but only if our kids are in classroom by themselves, all together, and you keep them together through fifth grade."
1: Right. A white class.
0: Yes, this is what and this is in, being quote demanded. unquote
1: progressive. Brooklyn. This is
0: Brooklyn, right? Hipster right. Brooklyn. Um, so there is this intrinsic racial fear that cannot be mitigated by facts. And that's the thing that is really embedded in all of this, is the belief that black children are not as smart, that there are exceptional black children, right? That, of course, I know little Johnny is smart, but he's not like the rest of the of black kids, that they're culturally depraved and that bad culture is going to rub off and especially like their parents. And we need to protect our kids from large numbers of these kids. And I've had parents tell me, like, it's OK, like the middle class black parents at the school are fine. And, and what
1: you're talking about, what, what's so interesting here is that you're not talking about stereotypical Trump voters in no. Alabama. You're talking about hipster Brooklyn. Yes. So liberals kind of piss you off a little bit.
0: I am only writing and speaking to liberals at this point. I'm trying to get people who say they believe in equality and integration, but act in ways that maintain inequality and segregation to actually live their own values. Those are the only people that I'm talking to. If you could get the most segregated parts of the country are all in the progressive north. If you could just get white liberals and progressive liberals to live their values, you could have a significant amount of integration in of country. You know you
1: what know, group of people would really you be? You
0: could tilt the whole thing. A yeah.
1: group of people who would be really uncomfortable listening to you talk would be the heads of progressive private schools mm. in New York City or whatever city, Boston, Washington, you name it. Uh, but they have
0: special programs where they try to bring in like a handful of black kids.
1: Well, you know, my joke about Washington private schools is that the, the motto should be, uh, uh, you know, uh, I have a dream where the children of black lobbyists and the children of white <laughs> lobbyists play on ergonomically correct playground equipment. Um,
0: but here's the thing. We're in a capitalist country. And if you can pay for something, the best money can buy, then so be it. Whatever. I mean, but you're not I, I could argue that. that. You're not doing that. But what I'm, But
1: what? You're not sitting in judgment of people who do.
0: I wouldn't go that far. What I'm dealing with are public schools, which are publicly funded for the public good in which every child should walk into a public school and get the same education. If you believe in this common good, right, This you're not paying for it. We are all putting in. So every kid should get the same thing. Those are the parents that I'm speaking to. Because what we are finding are parents who say they believe in a common good. But they want a public school that operates like a private school, which Mm -hmm. means you can screen out the kids you don't want, which means you can hoard all of your resources in the school by raising a million dollars in your PTA. You can hoard all the best teachers. You can determine what curriculum you're going to get. And if that means that, you know, two miles down the road, another publicly funded school doesn't get any of that, then so be it. That to me is a height of hypocrisy.
1: Where does it work? Have you seen any place in America where no. where li- liberals? I mean, can I fin- I'm finish, <laughs> let me finish my question. Maybe I'll surprise anywhere. you. Maybe <laughs> I'll surprise you with a question. Where where liberals are living the belief system they profess uh, to, to, to hold?
0: So, if we get to very very micro, okay. Yes, I mean, my when I'm
1: talking on a more macro level.
0: Daughter's best friend is a little white boy named Sam who started in pre-K they still with friends? her. Cuz you wrote about them a couple their of years best friend. ago. They, oh, that's cute. We spent Halloween together. Um, they live right behind us in Bed-Stuy and um, when they started pre-K, about half of her pre-K class was white. He's now been for 3 years the only white kid left in the class and he's still wow. there. And his parents I don't actually know white people like them. Um, they're not actually doing it for some larger good. They literally are like, this is a good school and these are kids and I'm going to send my kid here. Like, they don't have... So they're
1: non-racial in a kind of way. It's just, I mean, they are not. A, they
0: see race, they understand race, but their motivation for being in that school is not to be racial do-gooders, but that they're like the rare white people who can just look at this school and see all these black kids and be like, well, they're just kids and my kid is fine. Um, so to I... make
1: uncynical your term racial do-gooder, there's no place in, in the North where there's a... An Experiment a community, a whole community where people are like, All right, this is what we're gonna do. We're gonna consciously bring in not just curated, hand picked, artisanally chosen black children to, to make our school more colorful.
0: All right, so one, you preface that within the north because the two examples or the few examples I would give you are almost all in south
1: because, because the south, the some blacks and whites are just living proximity, and some
0: because of not. Um, right. Even with that said, though, if you if the question is, is there a single a single place in this country where black kids are getting the same education as white kids, I would say no. Not one. I challenge any listener, if you know of a place and you can send me the data, send it to me. Um, But not a single place. I can tell you places that are doing better than others. But I think the fact that we accept that most black kids will not get an equal education, I think that's immoral, and I don't accept it, and so more places should be trying.
1: So on our next episode, we'll discuss my, my dating history okay, a little good. bit more. Yeah, yeah. But I'm, um, I'm
0: going to do some digging.
1: There's not a lot. I'll tell you what there is to know.
0: I thought once you went black, you never went back.
1: No, once you go black, you wind up marrying a Jewish girl from Providence, Rhode Island. That's my, I hadn't
0: that's heard my that story. one, but.
1: It doesn't rhyme. That's probably, I'm trying to find out. No, 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 no. I, I feel I like didn't...
0: next time you could have something that will rhyme.
1: I can't. I've been working on that one for years. But uh, I'm going to come up with something. You? I'll send it to you. Oh, thank you very much. <laughs> uh, my guest today has been uh, deeply uncomfortable for me. Uh, <laughs>
0: trying to if only y'all bit. could see how red his face turned. That my, was so my face amazing. did not
1: turn red, just shaded a little bit. My guest today has been the not quite yet certified genius, Nicole Hannah-Jones, a recipient of the MacArthur Award, a writer for the New York Times Magazine, author of a forthcoming bestseller, I'm just going to predict it here right oh, now, Jesus! bestseller, uh, on the issue of segregation and integration and educational equality in America. Nicole, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you. That's it for The Atlantic Interview. I want to thank Nicole for joining me today. You can find her writing in the New York Times Magazine. The Atlantic Interview is produced by Diana Douglas and Kevin Townsend with production help from Kim Lau. If you like what you're hearing, please review us in Apple Podcasts. And I think it's a star system, so go for the maximum number of stars. You can also subscribe and share this episode with a friend. I'm Jeffrey Goldberg. I'm the editor-in-chief of The Atlantic, and we'll have more for you next week.